What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike, aka Mike D. Really fun episode for you today. I'm talking to actor David Morse, all about The Green Mile. Also want to ask him about one of my favorite movies from the year 2007. But before that, I want to talk about some popular songs that instantly make you think of movies. I'll give you my big list and how that ties into the interview. Also, a spoiler-free review of Death on the Nile, which is out in theaters now. Thanks again for being subscribed and listening every single week. You already know what it is. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about songs that instantly make you think of movies. And for this list, I didn't want to pick songs that were written for movies or have become movie theme songs. They're just songs that are used in movies, and I think they just instantly kind of spark a memory with me. And every time I hear these songs specifically out in public, whether it be on the radio, at a grocery store, or on maybe sometimes even another movie, I instantly associate these songs with very specific movies, very specific memories from the first time I saw them. So on this list, I'm not including things like My Heart Will Go On or I Will Always Love You. I wanted to focus on an entirely different category of songs. I think once I start playing some of these, you'll totally get it. And I bet you have songs much like I do that spark these memories. So first, I want to get into number one on my list is Immigrant Song from Led Zeppelin. And you probably think of Thor Ragnarok, which I think had a really special use of this song. It was also featured in Shrek the Third. But when I hear Immigrant Song, it immediately makes me think of 2003's School of Rock. 
and it's Jack Black driving the van, all the kids on board, and just start singing it. And really, that entire movie had such a great use of. There's so many great rock songs in the School of Rock that they really went above and beyond in getting the rights to all these songs. I think Immigrant Song from Led Zeppelin is one of the most expensive songs to get the royalties to. I know when the director of Dor Ragnarok wanted to use that song in that movie, like that was the biggest part of their budget. And it's very hard to get any Led Zeppelin song in a movie. And you may think, well, they probably could have used a different song, a cheaper song. But having this song in that scene is so memorable and just so fun that I love scenes where the characters are actually connecting with the music. It's not just in the background. You know, there's an actual addressing of the song and the characters being interactive with it. Jack Black singing along like a madman to this song. It really just adds another level of how powerful the use of music is in movies. So I always feel like it's more than just picking the biggest songs. There's an actual fine art to picking the right song. And I think this one is a perfect example of that. I can't hear Immigrant Song without thinking of School of Rock. Next up on my list is Dust in the Wind from Kansas. Otherwise, I probably would never listen to Kansas. But in Old School from 2003, there was such a funny use of this song with Will Ferrell singing it at Blue's funeral. Again, it's another point in a movie to where it's an actual character singing the song. And in this case, used in a comedic sense, you take a really sad, moving song like this, but have Will Ferrell crying while singing the song. Great use of it. Along those same lines, while I'm talking about Will Ferrell, I probably wouldn't have even heard of this song or known of this song and realized it was such a big deal in my life if it wouldn't be for the movie Anchorman. And the song is Afternoon Delight from Starland Vocal Band. Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. And it was such an irreverent use of this song in that movie where they just, for no reason, start singing this song a cappella. And I remember how much of a comedic impact Anchorman had back when it came out in 2004 to the point to where it affected like my entire group of friends. And I remember specifically, <laughs> I think the year this movie came out, somebody in the talent show gathered up a group of friends and they all sang this song a cappella like it was in the movie. Such a random song, such a random moment, but it's funny and I love it. So I had to put Afternoon Delight on the list. Next up, I want to talk about MIA Paper Planes. Because this is an example of the use of a song in a movie trailer, which instantly gives the movie a feeling like, okay, this is something I want to watch. This is something fresh and new. And this song perfectly encapsulates what Pineapple Express was back in 2008. And I think a lot of that just kind of doesn't get used anymore. Like how important it is for a movie to have a good movie trailer. 
I know they come out all the time and we get hyped on them, but to have a movie trailer where the song itself <laughs> makes it memorable, because I remember the use of this song more in the trailer than I do actually from the movie. And a problem I have with movie trailers now, which because of this podcast, I, you know, I watch every single one because I want to share with you guys what's coming out in the trailer park. But for a long time, I had like a love-hate relationship with trailers because they would show the entire movie in a trailer and it blew my mind. Like, why would I go watch a movie when you've literally told me the beginning, middle, and end in the entire trailer? I know you want to get people interested and enticed into the plot to the point to where they're going to spend money on a movie ticket. But if you give away the entire story, there's no reason to go into watching that movie and expect anything different. And then those are the movies where you end up believing like, well, I didn't really get anything else out of that. And sometimes I still like to call out movies when they do that. I'm like, if you want to save your 15 bucks, just watch this trailer and you don't have to see the rest of the movie. A lot of the times now I can pretty much tell if a movie's going to suck or not based on the trailer because movies that are going to suck will tell you the entire story within two minutes. But back to this song, it's also just a great song. And out of all the songs on this list is one I would probably listen to on my own even if it wasn't associated with a movie. And it also kind of feels like a time capsule of that time now. So so every time I hear Paper Planes, I always think of Pineapple Express. Next up on my list is a song from The Cure called Just Like Heaven. The Cure are one of my favorite bands of all time. I discovered The Cure because I was a really big fan of the band Alkaline Trio, and one of their biggest influences was The Cure. So I started listening to all their albums, and Disintegration became one of my favorite albums of all time. But I think this song specifically is just my favorite Cure song. But it's from a different album called Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And there was actually a romantic comedy that came out in 2005, starred Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo, that was named Just Like Heaven. They used this song in that movie, but that's not the movie I think about when I hear Just Like Heaven. It always takes me back to Adventureland, which came out in 2009, which is one of my favorite movies. I've talked about it before on this podcast, but the scene where this song is used, it's Jesse Eisenberg's character with Kristen Stewart. They're riding go-karts and for the first time, like having like a real fun moment together. And I thought this song captured that emotional moment like perfectly. There are very few times when I'm watching a movie and the song itself will create this kind of feeling of warmth around me because I already like the song to begin with. I'm already loving this movie, but at the time this song plays, it really just brings everything together and their chemistry that you really want them to end up together. So it always takes me back to that movie and just that memory of going to a carnival and having fun. That's what I associate Just Like Heaven with now. Next up on my list is a song called Motherless Child from Eric Clapton. And I'm already doing the scene here, but it's from... The movie Twister, which came out back in 1996, and the part of the movie was Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Dusty. His entire kind of role in that movie is being like the fun guy, but he's always blasting this classic rock out of this school bus that he drives. 
And when he plays this song and is singing along to it, I just, I've never really listened to Eric Clapton outside of that movie, outside of this song. But if I had to pick a favorite Eric Clapton song, it would be Motherless Child because I always associate it with Twister. And I love how he just does it in the movie. It's him playing that song and singing along to it. Like I just, out of nowhere, just started doing no matter what. But yeah, one of my favorite movies and I love that song in it. Next up on my list, it's a song called Little Bitty Pretty One from Thurston Harris. Here's the song. And it's from one of my favorite movies to watch as a kid from 1996's Matilda, a very underrated kids movie. And this is a point in the movie where Matilda really starts to come into her own with her ability to control things with her mind. And this song is playing as she's, you know, feeding herself cereal, moving things around in the house. And I love the use of songs from the 50s, 60s. Because I always had kind of an affinity with that type of music. I think it all came from back in the day living in the trailer park. Some of my greatest enjoyment on the weekends or late at night was seeing these infomercials that would sell these box sets of like songs from the 50s. And I got real into listening to doo-wop mainly because I would watch these infomercials, memorize them. And then was drawn to music like the Drifters, Little Anthony and the Imperials, the Platters, all that type of music I always just loved. And when it comes to movies, I really love movies set in the 50s, especially if they have to do with music. So for that reason, this is probably a song that I would also listen to in my normal everyday life because sometimes this type of music just makes me happy and it really just makes that scene of Matilda. Kind of keeping the same theme here, the next song up is called Hippie Hippie Shake from the Swingin' Blue Jeans. And I hear this song and the only movie I can think about is a movie from 1994 called Angels in the Outfield. A movie that is the hardest movie to find to watch online. It's a Disney movie, it's a baseball movie, for some reason, Disney has not taken this movie out of the vault. They won't put it on Disney+. Plus. It's nowhere even available for you to rent. And I don't know why I'm getting so like frustrated right now, but it's one of my favorite sports movies. And the movie I probably watched the most as a kid because we had it on VHS. But I guess I need to go dig through my parents' VHSs at their house because that's the only place I'm going to be able to watch it. But this is a scene in the movie where... Al, who is the angel who has come to help the team, the Angels, get their season back. And he is kicking around a baseball and doing all these things because he is invisible to the other team. And only the kid in the movie played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt is able to see him doing these things. And it's just a fun movie, especially if you have kids, because it was the first time I remember watching a movie to where the kid didn't have a perfect life. And in Disney movies, they always lived in big houses and their parents were always well put together. They'd, you know, come down for breakfast and there'd be a big spread no matter what, even if it was just a random day in the week. Like that was always really hard to relate to for me. But this is the first time I remember seeing a kid who in this case was in foster care, but lived in a trailer park. His dad wasn't the best dude. And it was just a very real movie 
for a Disney movie. But I just love the use of this song in that movie. It was very fun. So if you're ever able to get a copy of Angels in the Outfield or it comes to Disney Plus, you need to watch it with your kids. Or even if you don't have kids like me, watch it anyway. But you'll love the use of this song in that. All right, I have some more here to run through. Let's hop over now to some classic rock. The song is Fortunate Son by Clearance Clearwater Revival. This song specifically, I feel like it's used a lot in movies. I think I knew this song and was familiar with it more before I ever heard it on the radio or even knew who sang it. Because this song just sounds good in a movie and you can use it in a montage. You can use it as like a very pivotal point to where the character is doing something big and inspiring because it fits that so good. And it's another song that's expensive to get the rights to, but the movie it always makes me think about is from 1994, Forrest Gump. It's the scene where he gets drafted and he's set to fight in Vietnam. And like I said, it goes great in a montage, especially if it's a war footage montage. So this is the part in the movie where he meets Lieutenant Dan. He also meets Bubba. Will always make me think of Forrest Gump. Staying in the classic rock genre, another song that's been also used in a lot of movies is Sweet Home Alabama from Leonard Skinner. This song was used in a lot of movies. It was also used in Forrest Gump and Joe Dirt, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the one that came out in 2003, Crimson Tide. The movie Sweet Home Alabama, also Despicable Me, it has a pretty wide range of movies it can be used in, but the one it always makes me think of is from 1997, Con Air. I hear this song and I instantly think of, you know, the mullet worn by Nicolas Cage, and it's when all the prisoners are celebrating on the plane. That movie is so ridiculous. Like, I love Con Air because of how ridiculous it is, and it almost felt like a parody movie the first time I watched it, mainly because of Nick Cage's accent and his hair and his entire demeanor in that movie. But it's still such a fun and underrated action movie. It's what I love about big Hollywood movies where you can just turn your brain off. So my favorite use of that song. And when I hear that song, that's always the movie I think about. Next up on my list is Bad to the Bone by George Thurgood. I mean, just an iconic guitar riff, a song that's another one that's been used in a lot of movies from The Parent Trap, Major Pain. But really, I remember seeing it a lot in TV, especially on Married with Children. They would always play this riff. But when I hear it, I immediately go to Problem Child from 1990. One of the weirdest movies based on the plot, the entire thing is John Ritter's kid in the movie is just this little jerk. And that's the entire premise of Problem Child. He's basically like a knockoff version of Dennis the Menace. 
doing all these things to mess with his dad, his grandpa, to any love interest that gets in his way. And whenever he's about to do something devious, this song plays. So this song always makes me think of that movie. And sometimes I'll just get random thoughts and just to look into my life, when I get random thoughts, I always wonder, like, what is the kid from Problem Child up to now? Those are the kind of random thoughts I have. A few more honorable mentions to run through before I get to my final one. When I hear Natasha Bedingfield's Pocket Full of Sunshine, I immediately go to Easy A in the shower scene. It starts with her getting a, a card, and this song plays every time she opens it, and she's like, I hate this song. And then by the end of it, she's singing this song and nailing it in the shower. Another one I was going to mention is You Make My Dreams Come True from Hall & Oates. That song always makes me think of 500 Days of Summer, which came out back in 2009. I was surprised that movie came out in 2009. It does not feel like that long ago. And then I don't think my wife would be happy if I did not mention her favorite song from her favorite movie. Because every time she hears this, she basically goes full on Bridesmaids. And then the final one I wanted to mention actually ties into the interview we're about to get into. And one of my favorite movies from 2007 is a movie called Disturbia starring Shia LaBeouf and my guest coming up, David Morse. And this is the only time I've really ever heard this song used in a movie. And it came up on a 2000s playlist the other day. And I was in the kitchen and I immediately started doing what he was doing in the movie because I don't know why sometimes I watch movies and I'll mimic their movements and this song called Lonely Day from System of a Down is playing in the background such a lonely day and it's mine the most loneliest day of my life and it, it wasn't even until I was researching this podcast and finding all these songs to play that I realized I've only heard this song from this movie and it came on randomly on that playlist and I immediately thought of Disturbia. And then the opportunity came up to talk to David Morris and I was like, I have to ask him about Disturbia because it's one of my favorite movies from one of my favorite years of film came out back in 2007. It's about Shia LaBeouf's character who gets put on house arrest. And then while he's on house arrest, he's trying to find things to occupy his time. And he starts to suspect his neighbor, played by David Morris, of being a murderer that the news is trying to find. So I'm about to get into that interview with David Morse, but the reason he's on is to talk about The Green Mile, which came out back in 1999, and it's actually available for the first time starting tomorrow, Tuesday, February 22nd on 4K. So if you want to watch this movie now, completely restored, it's available. It's a movie with an amazing cast from Tom Hanks, Michael Clark Duncan, Sam Rockwell, and my guest, David Morse. 
also just a very powerful and emotional film. So I want to talk to him about the emotion that went in to making this movie. So here we go. My interview with David Morse. Good to talk to you, David. How are you? Mike, I'm really good. How are you? Good. So we're here to talk about The Green Mile coming to 4K for the first time ever. When you first got the script for The Green Mile, how did you know that it was something special? I don't think it's one of the things you know that it's special. It just is special because it just goes right after your heart. And it did that for everybody who read it and for me. I, I actually had read the, uh, the novellas by Stephen King before that. And then to see that, that Frank Darabont actually put those things into this beautiful script, um, it's, it's just, you know, it's what you feel. It's not what you know, it's what you feel. So on this movie, you work with an amazing group of actors from Tom Hanks to Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And there's, it's such heavy material while you're filming the movie. During the filming process, are you able to kind of break in between scenes and like hang out and have fun? Or the entire time, is it just very emotional, very heavy, not a whole lot of interaction? Oh, my gosh. You could never get through that movie if, if it was heavy all the time. And Tom Hanks makes sure that it is not heavy all the time. He's dedicated to to that listen his his company is called playtone mm -hmm. and it's called playtone for a reason he, he he likes to play and he likes to make sure things are light on the set um i i, I don't do that myself but uh i try but he succeeds um so there was it was a pretty good feeling there in, on, in between things so how does he do that is he cracking jokes is he like purposely messing up lines how does he keep the, the tone light well, you know, this heavy scene where we're all supposed to come around the corner and all the guards go down and to, to, to coffee cell and to get the camera down there and all the crews down at the end of there and uh, shooting us. We come around the corner just before they say action. Tom says, follow me. When I, when I fall down, everybody fall down. I'm like, what? He says, fall down. Oh, just fall down. Okay. It's like, oh, my God, are we really going to do this? And we action. We go around the corner. We're all marching down there to coffee cell. It's all, and all of a sudden Tom Hanks falls down on the floor. It's like, okay, here we go. And we go, <laughs> we all fall down on the floor. And of course the crew thought it was funny. We felt like idiots, but you know, <laughs> that's Tom Hanks. So when you're filming this movie, you were working as a prison guard in the movie. Are you able to, yeah. like, do you go home and feel like you're that character? Like you're living as a prison guard throughout the entire filming, or are you able to switch it off and be yourself again? Well, thank God I don't go home and feel that every time. But th this is something I'll say just in terms of the process of working, because you don't get rehearsals like in a play. You know, you get your four weeks of rehearsals and you get a chance to kind of live in the characters that way. Um, you don't get that usually in movies or TV. Occasionally you do. But at the beginning, I, I do feel I need to feel myself to be as much that character as I can. And... Um, so when I get there, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like a liar the first day of shooting, which sometimes I do anyway, but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, you, you really want to believe as much as you can that you are in that world and you are that person and people go out in different ways. But at the beginning, I really, I really feel I need to do that. One of my other favorite films of yours is Disturbia. Is it yeah. true that you actually broke a few fingers during that fight scene with Shia LaBeouf? I broke a finger. I wouldn't a few. Now it's gotten to be a few fingers. <laughs> no, I did. I did break a, a finger. I didn't want to tell anybody about it because, you know, I didn't want to cast on my hand or anything. But 
Um, I did break a finger, yeah. So you just got through the pain of that scene with a broken finger? I just did the rest of the movie with a broken finger. But I, I had done that before on something else where I broke a bone in my hand. I had a conversation with a friend, you know, my friend on my phone. I got so mad. I punched this solid door and broke a bone in my hand. I had to start shooting the next day. So I was familiar with, with the experience. Well, that is amazing. It's been awesome to get to talk to you. Everybody should go check out The Green Mile on 4K now. Uh, thanks for uh, talking to me. I'm happy to talk to you. Thanks for doing it. All right. Have a good one. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to get into a spoiler-free review now. I want to talk about Death on the Nile, which is out in theaters now. It's a good old murder mystery movie with a bunch of A-list Hollywood actors. It's a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, which came out back in 2017. You have Kenneth Branagh back starring and directing this movie. Before I get into my review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Someone is dead. The crime is murder. The murderer is one of you. Were you aware of any grudges? Madame is used to getting what she wants. Never again is what she I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of that. 
So Kenneth Branagh plays the main detective in this movie. You also have Army Hammer, Gal Gadot, Russell Brand, which I thought was an interesting casting choice. But the entire movie is about Army Hammer and Gal Gadot's character who get married. But the drama comes because Army Hammer was at the beginning of the movie engaged to Gal Gadot's friend. And now that friend is very angry, wants to win him back. So on their honeymoon, starts following them around and threatening them but not doing anything to the point to where they could call the police so instead they call upon this world-class detective to trail her and figure out what she's planning on doing so in efforts to escape her they charter this boat that takes them out on the nile it's only supposed to be them on their honeymoon with their family and you know get away from her the idea being if they're out on the water she can't get to them but while they are on there that's where the murder happens and the story unfolds. And I love a good whodunit movie. And I think in recent history, Knives Out has probably done it the best. So when talking about Death on the Nile, I'm going to kind of hold it to that regard. Because I think Knives Out kind of had the best of both worlds of having the great story to where watching Knives Out, I really didn't exactly know where it was going to go and who it was going to be and I think that's kind of the great formula for a great murder mystery movie where you're trying to figure out who you know did the killing so I hold every movie to that standard now when it comes to death on the Nile visually it's a very fun movie to watch I feel like it's a little bit too CGI for me though so I won't give away any details or indication of who did it in this movie but I don't think it was at that same level as far as was the writing as good as that? I don't think so. I think they could have made the story a little bit stronger. And maybe that's just my inquisitive mind if I'm thinking of all the small details, picking apart everything they're showing, everything they're saying, and allowing that to build up my case. So if you watch this movie, you kind of have to watch it like a detective too. So that part of it is fun. But with all that said, when it comes to a great mystery, it all comes down to the acting. And was the acting there completely? I don't think so. And you have, you know, some pretty big actors here with Gal Gadot. You have Russell Brand, who's normally a comedic actor. You see a little bit of a different side of him in this movie. But I felt like the entire thing felt a little bit disjointed. I felt like the story itself maybe wasn't strong enough to make a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. I think they took that exact same formula with less of the star power in the casting and then kind of tried to make up for it with the special effects and all the kind of shiny elements that they tried to do. But I think what that was used to do was kind of hide the fact that there wasn't really a sequel here. But the thing about it is I still enjoyed watching this movie and while watching it, I couldn't really decide if I hated it or loved it because it was kind of just right in the middle. It's not a particularly bad movie, but it's nothing that would inspire me to come on and give it a review of like, you have to go see this movie in theaters now. Even looking at the box office numbers, the opening weekend, it was number one, but with only $12.8 million. Granted, it's going up against the Super Bowl, but I still feel like that's a pretty weak number one. So it's not the worst thing you can go and see in theaters right now. I do think it does have a bit of a quality to where if you're trying to appease a lot of people in your family, try to watch something that everybody will enjoy, it kind of has that appeal to where adults would like it. It's okay enough for kids if they're fine with violence. It depends on you know what you want to show your kids. 
but I feel like this is a movie maybe my parents would also enjoy and understand. So if you're looking to go to the movies for an all-out family affair, maybe look a little bit more into the rating to see if it's fine for your younger kids, but I thought there was nothing crazy in it that you wouldn't see probably on regular network TV. But also, if you're going to spend your money on something in theaters to watch something that's kind of eh, I really don't think it's worth it. If I had to give it a rating, I would give Death on the Nile three out of five bullets. I think it's a case of where they were really trying to sell all the stars in this movie. They really went hard on promoting this movie. I think every time I turned on the TV, the trailer was playing. So unless you're really just itching for a whodunit movie, you can probably wait until this one comes out on the streaming. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down new movie trailers of films coming to you very soon in theaters or streaming on demand in a segment we like to call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And first up, I want to talk about Elvis, which is coming out on June 24th, 2022. I've been curious to see how they're going to pull this movie off. And with the first look at this trailer, I'm both excited and a little bit worried about it. But if you haven't seen the trailer yet for Elvis, here's just a little bit of that. He's a young singer from Memphis, Tennessee. Give him a warm hayride welcome. 
Mr. Elvis Presley. Get a haircut, buttercup. In that moment, I watched that skinny boy transform into a superhero. So what this movie is going to be about, of course, it's about Elvis, played by Austin Butler, and it's about his relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, played by Tom Hanks, who looks very different in this trailer. It looks like he has some face prosthetics, really went all in on this role. And why I'm excited and hesitant about this movie is... I think it looks up to the quality that I was expecting, but it also looks very polished. And I worry when you make a biopic a little bit too polished that it won't get into the nitty gritty that I really like. And I'm going to compare this to one of my favorite music biopics, Walk the Line. And I loved in that movie how they showed the bad parts about Johnny Cash too. They didn't make him out to be the biggest hero in every aspect of his life. They showed the low moments to make the higher moments just that much more rich. And when it comes to somebody like Elvis, I want to see all the bad parts too. And you see a little bit here in the trailer, but I felt like it looks a little bit too glamorized, a little bit too flashy. I just hope it has a little bit of rawness and a little bit of edge to it to really make it a polarizing portrayal of Elvis Presley, which I think is what we're all wanting. We haven't really seen his story done like this on the big screen before. One of the biggest figures in music ever, one of the biggest icons. You have to do this movie justice. And I think the benefit it has is Tom Hanks is a part of it. And I know his performance in it looks pretty strong. Austin Butler looks like a pretty convincing Elvis Presley. I'm just hoping the story in it and the details they choose to leave in live up to the expectations of what an Elvis movie should be. But that comes out on June 24th, 2022 in theaters. It's going to tell his entire story and rise to fame. I think the whole movie takes place over 20 years. So I think it should be interesting. So I'm excited for that one. I think it'll be pretty good just basing off this trailer if they get into all the good details. Up next in the trailer park is one you probably saw during the Super Bowl. It is from one of my favorite new directors, Jordan Peele. And if you're watching the game and saw this trailer come on, you probably said what a bunch of other people said after seeing it was, what did I just watch? But the movie is called Nope. It comes out on July 22nd. And here's just a little bit of that trailer. What's a bad miracle? And even in what I played here doesn't say much, and I love that. And I was talking about movie trailers earlier, and I think Jordan Peele does a really good job of not telling the entire story in a trailer. And that's very important with horror movies because you can completely give away the entire plot. So I had already put this movie as one of my most anticipated of this year because I just love Jordan Peele's style, and this trailer is a perfect example of that. I love the color in this trailer. I love just the feeling it creates, the mystery behind it. I think he is really modernizing what suspense is and what horror is, and he's the only director right now that I will watch just based on a premise. 
And it's a very special thing when you can just create a mood through a trailer that makes me excited to see it. Like, I really have no idea what the plot points are. It's described as caretakers at a California ranch encounter this mysterious force that affects humans and animal behavior. And what you see in the trailer has something to do with something coming out of the sky, people getting ripped up into the sky. You have these crazy inflatable wavy arms guys that they usually have outside of car dealerships in the trailer. So I think part of the appeal of his work and part of the appeal of this movie is not having all the details and going to watch this movie to fill in all the blanks. And I think after his third film, and he also did the screenplay for Candyman, which I really enjoyed last year too, but after this third film, I feel like he's going to start working his way into like my favorite directors right now. I think two films is maybe early to put him in that category, but after three films that have been just so intriguing and so refreshing, I think I have to mention Jordan Peele as one of my favorite directors. And there's very few directors that just have this stylistic approach that's just kind of a signature that you can tell it's a project of theirs. And he is already one of those with just two movies under his belt. So I hope this movie does well. Again, that comes out on July 22nd, 2022. And that has been this week's... And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. Well, there you go. That'll do it for another episode this week. But before I hop out of here every single week, what do I do? I give a listener shout out. How do you get a listener shout out? All you have to do is tag me in your Instagram story, just at Mike Distro. It could be a screenshot of you listening to the episode, a picture of your car dash, whatever you want. I usually repost those. You can tweet me at Mike Distro. I also have a Facebook page. And if you don't remember all this stuff, it's always in the episode notes. One of my favorite things to get are emails. You can email me moviemikeD at gmail.com. This one's actually an email from Rachel who said, so I took the time to binge all of your podcasts and I just finished today and love them. I learned so much and it's great to hear your point of view. I typically don't look at reviews before watching a movie, but I found myself saving movies you recommend to my profile and enjoying them. Do you ever enjoy watching a movie or are you always taking notes and thinking about your podcast? Thanks, Rachel, for that question. I kind of feel like it's a mixture of the two because I still don't really consider myself a movie critic. I'm just like a film enthusiast. And I would go watch these movies even if I didn't have this podcast. There are some movies that I'm just more excited to see that I don't even think about what I'm going to do in the review because I just want to take the movies in. These are usually the Marvel movies, usually horror movies that I'm just going in to watch because I would do it anyway. There are other movies like the one I reviewed this week, Death on the Nile, where I was just a little bit more curious about it. I know people were talking about it and I wanted to be in the know on that movie. So I went to go see it without really any high expectations. So with that one, the whole time I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, how am I going to review this without spoiling it and kind of picking apart how I'm going to angle my review of it for that specific movie. So sometimes some movies do feel like work if it's a big movie that I know people are going to ask what I thought about it. I will watch it. If I do it at home, I have my phone out and I'll be making notes the entire time just so I remember certain things. But oftentimes, I'll just go enjoy a movie, and then sometimes after I get out of the theater, I'll go to my notes app and just kind of give my initial thoughts so I can have that same kind of emotion when I come back 
and do the review. But yes, I still enjoy movies, even though I watch a brand new movie at least once a week to do it here on the podcast, and then sometimes even more. But that has been this week's episode. You can always send me your movie questions at the email address. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at Mike Distro. You can see videos from interviews and just other little bite-sized movie content clips that I put up there. And until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I'll talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.